What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets The Podcast. After the Astro series, a little bit of a, a weird one here. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, the New York Mets YouTube channel, which you should subscribe to, go ahead and do that. Uh, I'm in England. I'm in London. I am. It's currently 1130 at night. I have not slept in almost 48 hours. I'm kind of losing my mind, especially after that insane game that was game three against the Astros. I'm 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 going on the verge of insanity here. So James, I'm really going to need you to step up on this episode. Take over for me here. Take the intro cuz my brain is just simply not in the right place. I got you. Happy happy to hold that mantle for you, Mark. Uh Mets just got done with a, another one of these up and down series in Houston where it felt like things were going to go better than they actually wound up. We're going to talk about all the games here plus some more fun plus some dad talk from John, which would be kind of fun. Walk through that Ooh. process. If you guys want to hear about Johnny stats, now Johnny dad. Uh, but of course, of course, you guys know where to find us at Mets Up, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can find us, Spotify, Apple, Mets YouTube channel. I think Mark already said most of this, but I'm also kind of zoned out right now. It's been all over the place. Um, again, this is you guys know where to find us. We got to talk about the Mets and this series just to put a cherry on top of like one of the weirder games the Mets have played this year. Again, one of the weirder Mets seasons we can remember even any years past just to again, like lose, lose a game you think you're going to win even after another second straight series where you had a dominant easy game one win on the back of a great pitching performance and good performance from the hitters and then just to find ways to lose the next two games it hurts yeah i mean like these were all i hate saying this because i feel like we've said it so much this year and it's really frustrating at this point but these are all very winnable games and games that you feel like last year's mets team wins right i mean these were games that were in the balance and they just could not get that big hit. They could not get that big out. They could not get that shutdown inning that they needed. And I'm really pointing out to game three where it just felt like nothing could go their way. Like it was honestly from a neutral perspective, it was probably one of the best games of the year because it really was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the end of the game. But as a Mets fan, I mean, it was a hellish game to watch. It was just absolutely brutal to see the team get back, give it up. Get back, give it up. Get back, give it up. It seemed like there was just no way to actually win this game. And I feel like it's a little bit of a microcosm for the season of just we we get there and then it doesn't happen. And then we get there and then it doesn't happen. Like we're so close to the verge, I think, of maybe making a breakthrough at times and then something happens to push us back a little bit further. I mean, it was a complete carbon copy of the game last Sunday that we were at the Father's Day game against the Cardinals. Yeah. Where you, the only difference was that the Mets actually did have a lead in this game. They led four to two after the top of the third inning, which, which at was, that time was like an hour and a half into the game. Almost it was one hundred seventy pitches have been thrown. For it, those of you at home, again, I, I mentioned it in the intro, but I've I flew to England for the London series Cubs versus Cardinals this weekend, and I took a red eye flight at ten a, or ten p.m. from Newark to England. I have slept one hour since Monday, or I guess technically Tuesday at two a.m. was the last time I went to sleep, and is currently Wednesday, June twenty first at eleven twenty four English time. I haven't slept in almost forty eight hours. I mean, it's just I, I'm I'm losing it right now, and the fact that this game through the first three innings went ninety minutes was just out of control. It was insane. Tell the people where you watch this game, Mark. I watched this game from a I don't want to I don't want to say youth hostel but a hostel in the United Kingdom. I, I don't know you're a hostel man James. I feel like <laughs> you said the United Kingdom. Yeah, the United Kingdom, England, London. That's true. Yeah, I mean like you feel like a big hostel guy. I texted you I said, "What are your survive with hostels?" and you said, "Love them." You said, "Love them." And it feels right up your alley. But boy oh boy could it not be further away from mine. The idea of sharing a room with strangers is just terrifying. Absolutely insane. And the fact that there's like there was literally 
one men's room and one women's room for the entire hostel is just out of control and nuts. But yeah, we're hanging out there. The guy gave us some good deals on some drinks. We had a, a lot of fun. Can't believe that we found a bar in London that would put on the New York Mets game, which was really cool. But yeah, when when would have really been nice with it? But it was just like the first three innings were just so, such pain. The bartender almost fought a guy during this game because when Pete Alonso hit that home run, as you can imagine, I was screaming, I was yelling, I was getting rowdy. I mean, I'm a Mets fan. It is what it is. And I think the bartender kind of got got up with that energy. And there was a guy that was standing in the bar that was not ordering any drinks at the time. And he told he called him out. He said, hey, you're going to order something or you got to get out of here. And the guy said, give me five minutes. And he said, no, you can get out of the bar. Take your stuff. Get out. And the guy started screaming expletives at him. English expletives are different than they are in America. They really throw the entire dictionary at everybody. But it was just it was quite the uh, adrenaline rush. And then the Mets kind of let me down, which which killed me a little bit. What you're describing just kind of feels like something that's really run of the mill in England, though. Someone I've never been to London, oh, of course. For yeah. sure. I, I expect to see this every single night that I go out with the boys the rest of the week that I'm here. The lads to you. Those are your yes. lads now. Oh, big time lads. Big time lads and bros. But that was just, I wanted to put you guys in perspective of where Mark's been for the last 24 hours and how he had to watch this Mets game. Because he's a real Mets fan. You're going to find a way to watch every single game you can. But we're going to turn back right now, just go game by game like we always do. Try to grab the few positives and the few interesting nuggets we have from this series. Got game one, Monday night. Felt mean for the Mets not to have an off day and go straight from New York to Houston so after after that's the whole week of games last week and that crazy Cardinals game on Sunday. But why Mark's drinking a gallon of water right now for all the people watching on YouTube. It's two liters. I don't even know how you sell how this is legal to sell a two liter bottle of water. But the United Kingdom comes through and I'm gonna keep calling it the United Kingdom because it's very <laughs> formal and everything about this country is so formal it's crazy. It'd be like it'd be like watching a game of City Field. Be like, where are you watching right now? It'd be like, uh, North America. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like saying the promenade. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. The very promenade. specific Excelsior level. But big thing that happened Monday night that was very cool was that Scherzer looked like his good self again, back to where he was those last three starts before the blow up against the Yankees. I'm gonna show I'm gonna send you some pictures here to put into the slide um, into the show right now. But you could really tell that his slider command was much better. Something you talked about a lot after that Yankee series. So many sliders left over the middle of the plate, and he wasn't able to really place any on the outside corner against right-handed hitters. This game against the Astros, there were very few in the heart. There were none in the zone above the belt, and there were lots buried on the corners. You guys can see right here, Vito. Beautiful. And that resulted in seven whiffs, only one hard hit ball against, and 11 times the Astros chased a slider outside of the strike zone. That is the most chases that Scherzer's had at any slider in any, on his slider in any start this year. Next closest being seven. That happened on opening day. That happened in March. It's June 21st right now. Last time he had seven was March. And he hadn't had more than five since then. Just to give you a sense of how up and down this Max Scherzer season has been. How ridiculous it is. It's great. So it's awful. Think about this. Like me, I heard someone say the Mets this right now are like 70, I think 73 games in. And I, I almost fell backwards. Yeah. Like oh, it's a, it's a shocking amount of numbers <laughs> to hear. Like, I mean, like... <sighs> Talk. I, I feel like you talk to a lot of people, and we're not. Now. Yeah, seventy four now, and we're not. It feels like not a lot of people understand how far into the season we are necessarily. Like seventy four games, it's almost half. It's very, very it's close. Half. It's still not it's like yeah, it's still not like really far away, but still also where it's like it's, it's, it's no it's, longer. It's no longer this April. Is, this is baseball, yeah. But 
Back, back, back to again, not to get dreary for a moment there. Dreary, Mark in London. I'm going to do an awful accent a couple times now next year. It's few been episodes. so sunny here, dude. It's crazy. The weather's been unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good for you, I guess. We're going to Mexico tomorrow. Hope for some of the same. But Scherzer did his best start of the year. Eight innings, one earned run on a big homer from Yander Diaz, but eight strikeouts, only one walk, only 91 pitches. I thought there was a moment where they were going to let him finish the thing, but kind of felt like he was getting a little testy there. Last few innings, he might as well just leave with a great start. First time Max completed eight innings in a Mets uniform, and he got his full season ERA down to 4.04, which still Mets fans would be like, that's over four, it's ridiculous. But modern baseball right now, the league-wide ERA is 4.3, so that that is still pretty good ERA. It's not great. It's like you want shares to be much lower than just better than league average, but still a big, big step forward from where he's been a lot of times this year. Yeah, I mean, the two things that stuck out to me from this game was, one, we talked about it with the Cardinals game early in that series where we're like, man, wasn't it nice to just have like a really easy, relaxing win? Just like watch Mets baseball and smile and be like, hey, this is fun. Like the team's pitching, the team's hitting, things are going well. Like, I, I like when they play like this. I wish they'd do it more often. But then, two, outside of Max Scherzer pitching really well and making it an easy win, was Francisco Lindor. We've talked about it off the birth of his child, Amapola, who he's been, you know, very vocal about. He seems to be a completely different player. And boy, oh boy, could we have called it better. I feel like that. Francisco Lindor seems to just be a little more relaxed now that the baby has been had. The swings have been so much better. You saw it throughout this series in Houston, but the contact, the quality of contact, the barrels that he's putting on these baseballs are just so, so, so much better. And you saw it in this game because Francisco Lindor had, what, five RBIs? He's like third in the National League in RBIs for a guy who, relatively speaking, I think from an outside standpoint, like he is having a down year. His OPS isn't where you want it to be. His batting average isn't where you want it to be. But still, he's been able to drive in those runs for this team, which is kind of crazy for a guy who really hasn't been at his best. No, yeah, this on at the end of the game on Monday, he got his 51st RBI of the season, which I think pulled him into second or third National League. Team batted around, put up a five spot in the third inning off Hunter Brown, who's been one of the most impressive young pitchers in baseball. Home runs by Vogue and Lindor, hits by Bailey Alvarez Marte. Like, Francisco Lindor right now is 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 playing pretty well. I had the stat I was going to say for the uh, game three, but I'm going to say it now. On Friday night, after that game, Francisco Lindor had exactly 700 OPS. Amapola was born on Saturday. Francisco Lindor after the game on Wednesday against the Astros. Now is a seven for the OPS. I'm a pole of fever, baby. Let's ride. Right. And his, his WRC plus is back around like one Oh six. Like again, still not great. We're not telling you this is great right now, but it looks like he just is about to go one of those Francisco Lindor hot streaks, which is really necessary. But again, Team's hitting well. Team's been hitting well for weeks now. Team's been hitting yes. well for like a square month. And it's still, again, the problem this team is pitching, pitching, pitching. Always, always over again. I also um, want to give a little tip of the cap too to Vogi because we know Vogi has had that extended period of break that he had the mental break that he got from the team. And he's come back and he's really swung the bat well. We'll talk about it more in game three because I think that was like kind of the biggest game for him. But even game one, he made an impact. He's having way better at bats. He's swinging the bat a lot more. Things are looking a lot better for Vogelback. You could say Vogi is back. Bogey back. And stacker is here, John, right here. Great, John. Love having John on the show. New father. Dude, listen, John. it's it's a dad yeah. thing. Francisco Lindor is playing yeah. better. John's giving us stats now that he's had a child. Yeah, right. Francisco, uh, Vogelback has increased his swing rate six points from 32% to 38% since coming back from his mental break. That's, that's a pretty big difference. And it's cool to see that he's doing it and actually getting damaged. I think he already has four extra base hits since returning as well. And we also just, again, part of this Vogel thing, shout out the bottom of the order in this game from Monday night. The hitters five through nine had nine hits, five RBIs, and 10 hard-hit balls. A lot of that was due to the fact that the Astros just threw Sean Dubbin 
in his major league debut out there to just float in the wind. He ends up throwing 65 pitches in relief and he just ran out of gas, couldn't get him out. The umpire just had to end the mercy end the inning <laughs> on, a, on a pitch to Brett Beatty that was four inches off the plate. And Brett's not there close. Like, All right, I guess, whatever. Brett Beatty's going to lose like, a couple grand arbitration a few years down the line because of that strikeout, but you got to do what you got to do. And last thing for this game, gosh, shout out Grant Hartwig. Also, John's boy, got to say John's it. Boy. Major League debut, he came into that game because it was a little bit closer until we got to that ninth inning. I think it was only 6-1 at the time. So I think, I don't remember who else was warming up. But it wasn't Grant Hartwig. And then the Mets started scoring runs. And you saw like the call go to the bullpen. You saw him stand up. And he's like, you could just like see the nerves like in, in his body. Like his eyes like perked up. He's like, it's going to be me. I'm going to yeah. throw. And then the inning kept going. So it felt like he kind of got some of those nerves out throwing in the bullpen. But his color had really good bite for 94 miles an hour. Sinker looked like it had decent movement. The sweeper was sweeping around the zone. Really cool. Just a good, cool story. He was undrafted. The Mets like grabbed him when he was about to go to med school. It's pretty, it. pretty amazing. Yeah. Insane sentence. Like I was talking to my friend who I'm here in London with. Shout out my boy Wheels. And he's like a big Florida Gators fan. And he's talking about the catcher on their team. BT Rapoli, I think is his last mm-hmm. name. Okay. Dude's, have, dude, yeah, go Gators. dude's having a great year. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm not playing professional baseball. Like I'm going into finance. Like there's just, it's crazy to think that like there are some really, really good baseball players in college that are like, I'd rather work a, a real job than like grind out through the minors. But shout out to Grant Hartwig. He chose the hard route. He didn't take the easy way out. And look at it. It's paying off now. He's had a great two appearances in the majors for the Mets. Totally. Ground ball king, double play king. And also he graduated from Miami, Ohio. So between me, him, and Keith Rad, we have like three of the four major schools in the state of Ohio. We just need to find someone who went to OU now. Yeah. Well, Akron doesn't count as one of the major schools, right? No. Nah, no. Who? who what about Akron? Toledo? Toledo, it's quasi count, so I'm not going to give it to him. Yeah, I mean, we're getting deep into the Ohio schools now here, but yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm even, I'm even giving Kat, Keith a nod here for Dayton. That's you know, that, that's a little, that's a little close. It's close Listen, to the line. The, the Flyers fly. They're a good basketball school. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Flyers do fly. Now, move on to game two. And now we're, this is going to get a little wackier now because game yeah. one was the one we really want to talk about <laughs> some stuff. Uh, told you guys, Fran Valdez is disgusting. He might be the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball. It's he might. He's 1,000% the most underrated pitcher in baseball because, I mean, not that my Uncle George is the the level of deciding of whether a pitcher is underrated or overrated or not, but he was like flabbergasted at how poorly the Mets performed against Framber Valdez. I'm like, no, Uncle George, listen, normally like you can go on your rants, whatever, but like Framber Valdez is a legit dude. He's one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball probably, if you had to say anything. I mean, 15, maybe he's at worst case scenario, completely holding his Astros team together amidst yeah. the year where they've lost a lot. And you see, you kind of feel again, this, this sucks to say after we just lost series to them when they had lost five in a row coming into it. But you, you kind of can feel like the way that a lot of people were like, oh, the Astros got off scot-free from all the cheating stuff. A couple years down the line, you're like, oh, they lost a lot of draft picks, international pool money. A lot of the guys that probably have been coming to the major leagues now, and they're kind of relying on a lot of guys who probably wouldn't be in the major league otherwise but of course Corey Jolks has to make a diving play and like a perfect pick and a throw against Brandon don't I hate, even, I don't even no, get me started on Corey Jolks don't even get me started on that guy he's officially got the rat emoji it's a totally official but just to talk about Framber Valdez will lead it to the Mets in this game in the first inning it really looked like Lindor put one out it went to the warning track it would have been a home run in one ballpark in baseball Yankee Stadium of course of course 
But it, did, it felt like, again, it really felt like Lindor was the only one even getting to him. He had two hard hit balls off of Framber and a walk. Otherwise, the Mets team had three hard hit balls off of Framber, and we didn't get a hit until Can in the top of the sixth inning. And then Eduardo Escobar ground to a double play thereafter. So Framber Valdez faced a minimum through six against the Mets. And then we got a little rally going in the eighth. We got two runs. Fa- uh, Alvarez had the double. Fam had a single. Those wound, those wound up being the two hardest hit balls Framber even gave up the whole game. And like it yeah. was just a pitcher who was completely on. Yeah, this was uh, in between flights for me, so I caught I caught bits and pieces here and there. But like everything I saw, it was like, oh, Framber Valdez is doing that Framber Valdez thing where you watch him and you're I don't I don't I want to say you're not impressed watching Framber Valdez because he doesn't put up like the crazy velo numbers. His pitches may not move like these witch pitches that we've seen in the past. But all he does is get soft contact, ground balls, swings and misses this year, in particularly does a really really good job. That being said, like I I, I don't want to use that as an excuse, but like. There was a guy to run into in this Astros rotation that you weren't going to hit. That's probably the guy. Yeah, the coolest thing that Framber does just to get nerdy pitching on you guys for a second is that he is just really, really good at having his sinker and his curveball tries two best pitches like completely marry each other and do the They're exact so opposite sick. of what you're going to do. Like They're so that sick. sinker comes in like a bowling ball and the curveball just drops right down. They have complete opposite spin axes. So the hitter kind of can't distinguish them when they're coming in. They basically look exactly the same, but spinning in, like, in opposite directions, but going different ways. It's, it's one of the most incredible things that he does. And it, it it's really amazing to see a guy like him who was not a big international signee at all. The Astros, at all. Put, Astros put him in the pitching lab. They developed this incredible rep- repertoire that can work like perfectly off of one another. And you kind of, it's, it's, it's just, it was just a marvel to see. And then, yeah, tip, tip to cap to an amazing organization. One of the most successful in baseball over the last five years. The most successful over the last five years. And then the other thing, just this is this is this Verlander, not that Verlander. He's still he's that fastball still just flat. It only got one whiff in the zone on Tuesday night. The Astros are not a team that whiffs a lot in terms of most of the teams in Major League Baseball, but you can just see that not getting those fastball whiffs. Like that is what Justin Verlander was always known for. Like that just powerful fastball in the zone. Like you see it, you can't hit it. And he's old. I mean, this is it. I mean, maybe he can get that back still. He's still working up slowly. He's still like coming off the Tommy John two years ago. You kind of, it takes a little bit, like, it's hard to kind of get your footing back after surgery like that, especially at this age. Looked great last year, but now he's kind of easing it out of that Tommy John honeymoon, as some people like to call it. It was tough. It was a tough yeah. game. He didn't even pitch poorly. It was just like he couldn't score enough off Ramber the win. Yeah, it was a combination of, I think, the lack of offense made people think that Verlander pitched worse than he actually did. Like, relatively speaking, it wasn't the start that we want out of a guy like Verlander, but it wasn't a start that doesn't keep the Mets in this game. And I, I think that's, at least in the narrative aspect of this, like a little bit important because, like you said, like Verlander still, there, there's kind of like that in-between of like this Verlander or that Verlander, and he just he didn't have that oomph. He didn't have that extra little zip, that little whatever it was on that fastball. And that's like kind of the difference. We've even heard Max Scherzer talk about this. Like when Scherzer's saying 92-93 versus 94-95, he's like, I'm just not as good. And that's kind of what it felt like with Verlander in this game was he was sitting 92-93 rather than 94-95. No, it is. And again, he, keep, he just keeps losing a little bit of that life, a little bit of that hop, a little bit of that carry on those fastballs. That makes a huge difference, especially when a fastball in the zone. And I don't think there's any better way to accentuate that than the fact that Oh, Astros only swung and missed at one fastball in the zone yesterday. It's just it's a lot of contact. And again, they didn't even make like great contact. There was like a good amount of hard hit balls, but it wasn't like they were splashing the ball all over the yard. It's just when that many balls are in play, eventually people are going to break through. Bregman had a yeah. big series. He made a lot of contact. Amazing that the Astros did this this series. Kyle Tucker didn't have a hit. Did you know that? <sighs> yeah, I do because Kyle Tucker's on my fantasy team and <laughs> he's been so, so mediocre this year in terms of fantasy production. And like, I mean, it just, it's a killer that. 
the Mets lose to the Astros and a guy in my fantasy team can't even get me any points. Like, come on, at no, least if you're going to hurt me, hurt me and help me a little bit. This is as bad as it gets. Now we got to move on to game three, the drunk game, the insane game, Wednesday <sighs> afternoon, the matinee. It was just, I, I can't even comprehend how watching this game. It was, it was, it was so delusional. There was not a one, two, three inning in this game until the top of the fifth. And the Mets did not get their first one, two, three inning this game until the bottom of the sixth. By the time the Mets got their first one, two, three inning, the game was nine to eight. <laughs> I mean, imagine imagine watching this game in my scenario in a, in a different country that doesn't give any of a crap about baseball on a lack of sleep. You've had a couple of drinks. You're having some fun. You're hanging out like it was just it was a fever dream of a game in all the wrong ways. It was, and especially the fact that we're you know podcasting after. But like, uh, just again, walk walk us through watching this game because the Mets did have moments where they came back, moments where they fell back behind. Corey Jolks officially a Met killer now. Um, Dominic Leone has has first bad outing in what feels like a month, which was really tough to see. But go back is great. The offense stormed back. Like Lindor had another huge game, but like just uh, just one of those games that we keep saying it over and over again. I feel like a broken record, but it's like this is a, felt like a game. The 2022 Mets find a way to win. No, a hundred percent. Like it was. Mets had roller coaster games all throughout last season, and it seemed like every button that got pushed was the right one. It seemed like every decision that got made, every hit that was needed, happened. And right now, they got close to it. Like this, I feel like this was the closest of the games that felt like are winnable that we haven't won, which is like such a lame loser thing to say. I know, but like it was so. This game was so so winnable, even to the last out. It was such a winnable game. So the fact that it was so back and forth, like. I don't know if it makes it hurt more or less, but from the the outside perspective looking in on like the way that we were watching this game, I was like, man, this one is a tough, tough game to watch. It just hurts a little bit more than normal. So much more than normal because there was just so many ways. And also you could just like see it like like Buck's trying to keep like Miguel out there for as long as he can. He just doesn't have it. He doesn't have yeah. it at all. Because you know, like once like once you start that parade, like I don't know when it's gonna end. Like you did get the did get length out of the last two, like fifteen innings pitched out of Scherzer and Verlander the last two days. Like the bullpen was like saved 100%. in a way, but it's also just like I don't know, like when there were two men on and Dominic Leone's coming in the game in the third inning, like are you gonna are you is that gonna be David Robertson? Like is that gonna be Adam Alavino? Like No, I and don't I, know. I think there's like obviously Mets fans have a lot of criticism criticism about everything going on in Mets world, but like relatively speaking, like I don't I don't really know what Buck could have done in this game because when you have to take out a pitcher in the third inning, you do kind of handcuff yourself with what are the possible outcomes, what are the possible situations that you can put yourself in to succeed. And I really don't think that any of the decisions that I made had actually any sort of impact on what happened. It was just like we couldn't get that big out, we couldn't get that big hit, we couldn't get what we needed to get over that hump in a game that felt like we we're I know we did have a lead technically, but it did always feel like after that four two lead we were, you know, fighting from behind. Definitely. And like the game starts in just such a weird way for Pete Alonso running out of the baseline on a ball that would have gone <laughs> up the line, scored multiple runs. Like I was like, what the heck is going on? And that's like from playing baseball, like sometimes you do things like that and you dare the ump to oh, dare the ump to go get you. Dare. For sure. I mean like I Listen, I was I, I like to consider myself like a solid baseball player, but I would do a little gets gamesmanship. You gotta you gotta be a little bit of a sportsman here, and to to do something like that, like it's a very conscious effort. Like, hey, I'm gonna try to get a little bit in the baseline here. I don't think he was like I want to run all over the infield grass like he did, but to run no. to the baseline, like yeah, it's it's a smart baseball play if you don't get caught. But when you do get caught, it ends up looking like a bad decision. But like, I can't. Can I? Can you fault him? Can you fault anything here? It's just like like you said. The difference between this year and last year is like last year it feels like that works. This year we get caught. Yeah, and then you go to the bottom of the inning because the Mets again, like the Mets' favorite thing, have the bases loaded and not score a run. Then you get to the bottom of that inning, 
and the and the Astros gets two wild pitches. Like uh, it's like it's it, just it's just freaking annoying how like how these little things like go bad for us and good for everybody else. Like it just feels well, like nothing can go right. I feel like in previous games, maybe you could point to this or that is the reason why the game went south, why the Mets lost this game. But it felt like in game three against the Astros, it was just a an overall collective like we didn't play well enough. We played the offense was great but we didn't get a complete game out of this team, which is why we couldn't beat the Astros, who, I mean, I know they're struggling in like the biggest of air quotes possible because they're still like nine or 10 games above 500. But seven. like, you're seven, whatever it is. But like for like a struggling Astros team, like they still do play complete games. It's just still a World Series championship team. And you can kind of almost see the difference between the two. Definitely. And you even have the moment the next inning when Marte gets the big two-run double, you get the runs back. You're like, all right, we're back where we started. Then Francisco Lindor comes up and Christian Javier... Out of nowhere. Definitely didn't have Christian Javier falling off a cliff no. on my 2023 bingo card, but he's throwing the flattest fastball I've ever seen in my life. It's, flat, it's flatter than your kitchen table. He throws two different Francisco and Dory, he swings through, and he's looking at him. He's like, I can get that pitch. And then he gets a slider in the zone. He fights off a couple, I think another curveball or something. And he puts one to the warning track with two I men know. on, like right to the wall. And you're like, gosh, that was a three run home run after the two run double. You're like, now we're cooking with gas. And then it goes back and forth after that. God, it was so frustrating to watch this game. And even when like the the chaos was like at its peak, at its peak in like the fifth, sixth, seventh innings here, and the Mets have a rally going, scored a couple runs, and then freak Brett Beatty comes to the plate, who's like been swinging a better bat, swinging a, a better, better bat. He has this is right after the Pete Alonso home run. He puts the ball nice the way he goes with the opposite field pitch. And Corey Jolks just does a look what I found diving catcher. Like, you got to be kidding me. And then the next inning, Brandon looks like he started <laughs> off with a like, no, get a double after um after Revias flies out. And Corey Jolks makes a backhanded pick off the top of the Crawford box. It missed a home run by three inches. God, he throws out Brandon on a one hop to <sighs> the second base. And you're like, why the freak is Corey Jolks even playing right now? And like, I can't, I can't stand it. There was just so many little things. We we got a story from Keith in this game that he failed 10th grade Gary. Yeah. Gary and Keith were talking about biology classes because they were talking about Grant Hartwig. I think it was pre-med biology at Miami, Ohio. And they were talking about how much they hated biology in high school. And Really? Keith is like, I liked Keith, biology. Is that right? Keith was like, I, I failed biology. I had to, he's like, and the worst part is I love my teacher, Mr. Carpenter. What a great teacher. I had to go to him after I failed. I did so poorly in the class. I was just, I was not interested in biology. He's like, I wasn't interested in biology. What? I got a question for you. What's, what's your least favorite of the sciences? Which one did you struggle with the most? Struggle with the most? I was decent at the sciences. I probably struggled with chemistry the most. Really? I was a great yeah, a chemistry too, A little student. too technical. But I, would, mm. I, did, I, did, I, just, I like the sciences in, uh, in high school yeah, college. You're, you're, you're well. a flea flow, yeah, yeah. flowing man. Yeah, chemistry yeah. keeps you in the box a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah, biology was great. My biology, my freshman, shadow Mr. What's his name? Mr. Mc, Mr. Mc, Mr. McGinney? You had Mr. McGinney too? Yeah, Mr. McGinney oh, was a legend. James McGinney, legend. He loved me in biology. He recommended me for AP Bio. I was like, I don't want to. That, <laughs> I was dude, like, not for that me. dude gave me an A for no reason. There you go. Didn't no, deserve he was, it. He was a good hang. He looked exactly like the Raiders coach at the time, Tom. Cable. Oh, exactly Tom Cable. Like yeah. Tom Cable. Oh my god. Oh my so god. much. Yeah. Mine was physics. I was god awful at physics. I was didn't incredible make it, at physics. I loved did it, physics. Didn't make a lick of sense in my brain. I was like, but this is moving at the. I don't have to explain <laughs> to you guys. It's nonsense. Physics isn't real. I was lights out physics. I was I was probably one of my favorite ones to actually go through and do. I, it was it was really difficult. But I was like, this is this is cool. Like I get this. But I was a chemistry man. Keith said that when he failed the course, he already had um, he already had a, a scholarship offers from Stanford and Berkeley, and he of was course, accepted I mean, into tenth grader Keith Hernandez, Southern California baseball player, and accepted to to the Air Force. And he well, said he had to go to Mr. Carpenter. Was super honest with him. He said, Mr. Carpenter, 
you had a great class. I was interested in it. No, he's like, I was just, I just wasn't interested in it. I just didn't do that well. <laughs> like, please, like, could you please bump this F to a C minus? Cause I don't want to lose these scholarships. And he did it. And Keith didn't even go to college. <laughs> <laughs> but and th- this story happened in the fifth inning of this game. Usually we don't get wacky Gary and no. Keith until, until late in the game. And this well, was, how, like, ma- this was how many minutes were, how many minutes were we into the fifth inning? It was like, what, two and a half hours at that point. So yeah, we were, but just, just Keith to give was us approaching sense, the bedtime. Yeah, he got a lot of oh, this game. So many Keith Crones. It was, I think, there were like six walks in the first like three innings. Like it was, this was an insane game. It's just these insane games last year. The Mets always found a way. They got the big hit. They made the big play. They got those shutdown innings, and you just couldn't get it this time. And no. all of this just comes back to the fact that the Mets are just not getting enough pitching right now. Well, bring in, well, let's bring in John. Bring let's in, get him bring to bring the John. estimate. Let's, let's just mess him up. New, talk. new fa- Father John. I, actually, I don't think I can say that. I think that's a priest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You, you know, Vito. You know, Vito's gonna start calling him Johnny Daddy. Johnny oh. Daddy. Yeah. Oh, Vito's been calling me Daddy for a while, anyway. So even long before Sophia was born. What's up, guys? James, I like your point, by the way, real quick. But John, about how the Mets have a lot of home games. How, how's your week been? My week. Um, it's been pretty slow, you know. No, things have been amazing. Um, you know, Father's Day was obviously just crazy. Uh, I was not with you guys Sunday. I was not at the stadium on Sunday. Lame. Um, boo. I know, right? Would you have a kid or something? Yes, yes. At nine thirty nine p.m. on Saturday night. Oh, so, we know. Yep. So I left the stadium in like this kind of eighth inning on Saturday. Probably should have got out there a little earlier. But um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like false starts when it comes to having Can I ask children. for a pause real quick. Yes, please. It's kind of hysterical that that you know the exact time. Like your your wife's probably wailing, and John's wait. like nine thirty nine. Wait, did, wait. God, this is this is the true John test. Who was up at the plate? Who was pitching? What were the Rangers doing? Like what what was, was going on? It was between innings. You brought up the Rangers, so shout out Henrik Lundqvist going to the Hall of Fame finally. <laughs> um, had to had to drop that in. Now it was between innings. I think uh, it was it was actually probably three innings later than I should have left. Um, it it really was, but you know, it was, uh, like I said, there's a lot of false starts when it comes to this and I wasn't too far away. Um, but I got there with like two and a half hours. So I, I need to, I need to interrupt John. I need to interrupt John. And this is a note that I got from the inside. John was in fact told by his boss to leave in the fourth inning. (laughs) He was told by his boss to leave things. Sorry, John. Do not tell Mrs. Barron. (laughs) No, don't tell him. Well, she uh, listens sometimes, so that's that's not, not good. This week. But yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I guess Sophia's been all over it. Sophia's loving Mets yeah. up. She's she's been a Mets up listener for like the last nine months. Probably one of the most loyal. I get Sophia some stickers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I'll put all we'll put them all over the bedroom. But no, nah, it's been great. It's uh, it's life changing, guys. Seriously, like I couldn't imagine it nine months ago. Couldn't imagine it a year ago, and like it kind of inspires you to just be a more responsible person in a way. Yes, so John, I, I yes. feel like I'm starting to inch closer. I told you guys this before and I'll own myself again. My in-laws, we've been we've been staying with them. They've been a great <laughs> help. Can't thank them enough. I know I trashed on my father-in-law last time I was on with you guys and well I don't done, take John. any good I don't job, take any good job. Back, by the way. I still mean everything I said. Um <laughs> last night I watched the Met game. He comes down he's like, "Oh, Coles in the 7th. We got to watch." I'm like, "Dude, come on. I just had a kid." But anyway, <laughs> Um, I've heard from many different people that they are surprised as to how much I've been like helping and like on top of stuff and just changing diapers and just like diving right in and making sure everything is good. 
So I guess like it was kind of a low bar that the expectations were at. But I'll tell you I'm this, John. I don't. I wouldn't say I'm surprised because I, I I assumed that when it happened, it was going to be like a paternal instinct. You're going to snap into it. You're going to be ready to roll. Yeah. But I can totally see why people who may know you better than me and James, we've known you for a year essentially, yeah. would be a little bit more skeptical about uh, what what the uh, involvement could possibly be. Yeah, I could definitely see. Um the guy in his 30s who still wears backwards hat and basketball jerseys on the beach for, for in-laws to be <laughs> half surprised by your fatherly instincts. We all knew you had it in you. We were very excited for you to become a dad. We're happy that you... Glad you, like, that you're doing glow- it. You're glowing, John. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. So is it the backward hat and the basketball jersey that, yeah. that people think I'm younger? part of it, yeah. It's a tough you look. You know what? I'm not, I don't want to change. That's the thing. I don't want to change. It's fine. You know, you're I, a dad I now. Cool dads. I want to be one of those cool dads. Oh, yeah. We know you'll be one of those really cool dads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I've learned how to like collapse the stroller, pop her into the wow. cart. I'm telling you guys, it's, it's a brand new ball game here. I'm going to be, I already do dishes, laundry, cooking. Like, Whoa, he's getting on laundry, guys. That's big. He didn't do laundry two, in the Two past. episodes ago, John said he won't do laundry. <laughs> well, selected laundry. That's the thing. You know, I'm not going to be washing the delicate, right? No one wants that. And I think everyone understands that. But like, I could put a couple of spit up rags in the, uh, in the washer and then throw them yeah. in the dryer and fold them. Nice. I'm fair. more than happy to, honestly, like. I'll she's downstairs sleeping, so couldn't introduce her to everyone out there, but I'll introduce her eventually. She's great. She's precious, makes a bunch of cute noises. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's when I woke up that morning, obviously, we, we all heard about glowing. Francisco Lindor. We all heard about Lindor and his baby and that he was not missing the game that night. Um, John missed a podcast episode a day later. Lindor played. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> Lindor literally had a home run by the time by the time John came back. To this podcast. So I found out that morning about Lindor having the baby, and I never thought for a second to myself that like my baby would be born on the same night. I woke up that morning expecting it to be a week later. The due date was June 24th. I'm thinking Mets are in Philly, and I'm I'm cruising until then. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, there she is. So um, that's the way it goes. Hopefully, the boys can get her a couple wins in Philadelphia. Definitely, the Mets have the teams in front of them ahead of them. Phillies, Brewers, Giants, like it's all in the Mets' hands right now. And that's a great point, along with uh, James's point of a lot of home games remaining. So we'll see what the boys can do in Philly. And speaking of Philly, let's get to Estimate. I know that this is my one time where you guys will just happily listen to it. Mm-hmm. So you guys didn't do a real Estimate last week. If you had, I had two ideas. It was either Jose Abreu total bases, because we, we know how big of a Jose Abreu guy I am. Of course. You really are. <laughs> um, or over under diapers changed, I was going to do. <laughs> I would have been um, and I would have been honest. I'll be honest about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not rooting for anyone here. So I'm going to put that <laughs> out there. But what we're going to go with for this series is two strike hits between the two teams. And we do that because Bryson Stott actually leads the major leagues in two strike hits. Nick Castellanos is up there as well. Yeah, Bryson Stott. Hard to put away with two strikes. Little did, little did you know. Um, so that's the what we're going to go with. Loser. The Mets don't strike out much themselves as a team. Fun fact about Bryson Stott, loser. Uh, he's got the worst walk-up songs in Major League Baseball, and it's not even close. So I just want that to be put on the airwaves for everybody to know because I'm I'm glad to s- plant my flag in that one. But okay, so it's two strike hits by both teams? Yep, two strike hits by both teams combined. I mean, like, I don't have a pen. I don't have paper. I'm in England. This is going to be... Scream it out. Scream it out. They don't, I don't, uh, I don't... I'll write mine down. Okay, two strike hits. Uh, I'm going to... Okay, I got a number. I got one. We'll, j- we'll go with it, and it might be one of the worst guesses ever. Yeah, right. James got his whiteboard. Three, yeah. two, one. Eight. Oh, oh yeah. nice. I love back to back. Okay. Been Eight, recently. seven. All right. Nice. We'll have to see what happens. Um, I won't bring up Chase Utley to you guys during the series just to Disgusting, keep everyone. John. 
You're everyone such a calm. Mistake. I mean, look, look what what Vito said earlier today about the Beatles. Cut his is, mic. Cut his mic. No, it's a worse take than Chase. <laughs> it's a worse take. It's a worse. Take. Oh, a hundred percent. It is a worse, worse take. take. Yeah. It's not a worse take. One of the worst takes I've heard in my life. It's a bad take, but nothing's worse than your Chase Utley takes. My Chase Utley takes, correct. It's, per- that's it's personal. Your Chase Utley take. That's what makes that's it fine. worse. Look, I can see past. I can see past that. I'm just saying it's correct. That's now, he's a father now. He's bigger than that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll start bringing this into the Philly preview. The Philly fans are so um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stupid. That they have now all started to compare <laughs> Bryson Stott to Chase Utley because he's a middle infielder <laughs> with long hair who hits the ball sometimes. Like that's happening. They say on Twitter. I'm like, what the heck are you guys talking? Wow. about? Wow, I was not ready for that. I was not ready for you to just drop a Philly fans are stupid. That was <laughs> you caught me off guard there, James. Keep me on my toes. Yeah. Um. But all right. Thank you so much, John. Happy, happy your dad. Happy you're happy your dad. Happy that yeah, your in laws are happy your dad. This is all great things right now. I'm very happy. To, I'm, I'm so excited to watch the development of John Barron. <laughs> Everything's everything's coming along with the hat staying backwards. So I will see you guys uh, see you guys on Sunday after the Philly series. See you, John. All right. So yeah, Philly's preview. We haven't played them in a minute, right? It's well, been like a month. It's it's been about a full month. I do uh, last three weeks actually. I do want to highlight one important thing about the um the Mets playing the Phillies. When the Mets played the Phillies last, we swept them in City Field. We were at that Thursday afternoon game. Um, the Mets record at the time was 30 and 27. The Phillies record oh, at the time was 25 on. and 31. Why are you doing this to me? Why I just, I just have, you, you got to say it because that, it seemed like that getting swept by us was a huge wake up call for the Phillies because right now, as of recording, they're playing a game right now against the Braves or against in a rain delay, actually. They're 38 and 35. So since that game against the Mets, they lost the next day again to the Nationals. They had lost the game before us to the Braves. That was a five game losing streak. <laughs> Oh my God! They're thirteen and freaking six. Like, come on, thirteen and four. They're thirteen and four since then. Thirteen. I mean, and four like, since they got swept by the Mets. You look at their lineup. Like, everyone's kind of hidden. J. Toriyamuto, who had a cold start to the year, is back a little bit. Bryson Stott, cold start to the year, better than league average. Kyle Schwarber, I know he's hitting one ninety one, but he has twenty friggin' home runs, better than league average. Brandon Marsh, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper. Like, they're they're kind of just mashing. I'm not one to really um, what's the right word? give the Phillies praise or any props because obviously we know I hate Philadelphia and the city and everything about it. But uh, God, man, they're they're playing good baseball right now, which I cannot deny. Yeah, and old friend Taiwan Walker has really settled back into the Taiwan Walker everybody knows. I don't still the think- first half. Yeah, still the first half. Still first half Taiwan. We are actually going to miss in the series again, but I just still do want to shout them out because Mets fans know from last year, like you have guys like Taiwan in your rotation. It's really easy to start the hot streak because the worst case scenario is gonna, he's going to give you some innings. He got blown up by the Dodgers on May 1st in LA. Gave up eight earned runs in three and a third innings. Since then, he has a 2-7 ERA. Huge. And he's gone at least six innings in one, two, three, four, five. Five of his, five of his nine starts. So Well, that, that I mean... Kind of the big thing with this Phillies team, though, is that their bullpen is still bad. Their bullpen is still yeah, not exactly. very good. And if we can get to that bullpen as early as possible, that's when you can really start to make damage because outside of Andrew Vasquez, who I, I'm genuinely am not familiar. He's a lefty. Sure. He's a six foot oh. six lefty. Who the frig is this guy? No, this, this guy was on my list two years ago for all like the relievers well, Mets had again. You, you should have told me that ahead of time. But you know. no, he's yeah, he's big time. Fast, fastball slider. But, he he hey, popped in stuff plus out of nowhere. And now he's just really good. So the two big lefties that they have with him and Jose Alvarado are good, and everyone else stinks. So it's like, get to this bullpen, and we're going to have good things happen, especially because the bats have been swinging it well. Yeah, they have been swinging it well. It's just, it's just like, you guys know the Phillies. Like, we got to get to this team. Just got to get to this team. This is a team that's directly in front of us. Again, they have been on fire since we beat them, and we have been completely 
ice cold since we beat them. So we're so the Phillies. We I said before what thirteen and four. The Mets, no thirteen. Imagine that. That's, it's like the most depressing number I've ever heard. So let's just freaking beat this team again. Get back on the right track. If anything, if this Mets team can do anything right now, it's beat the Phillies. Break right. Like that's all we've done for the last two years. Bring a smile to my face. I'd love. To, I'd fun. love to beat the Phillies. Yeah, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun, New York Mets. So smile out there. I mean, yeah. the door's loosened up. He's playing a lot better. Everybody's starting to hit. Let's get some pitching now. Yeah, just get some pitching down. And I'll just give you the matchups. We forgot to do that because we just I was yeah. talking, talking crap about the Phillies. Hit uh, us with the matchups. Fr- Friday night, Apple TV. Also, fun fact: oh. Mark and I are, are both going to be out of the country for the series, which is kind of fun. Shout out Wayne Randazzo, friend of the podcast. He'll be doing yes. the game on Apple TV. So, Mets yeah. fans, you're actually going to get a real announcer who's legitimately good and has a connection to the Mets. So for once, we're going to get a little bit of a homerish here thing. Yeah, right. And we got Kodai Sanga against Christopher Sanchez. Saturday, 4 o'clock, FS1. The whole nation wants to watch Mets Phillies. Carlos Carrasco versus old friend Zach Wheeler. And then Sunday afternoon, 135, Max Scherzer versus everyone's favorite soft toss and lefty Ranger Suarez. There he is. That's it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You want to you want to eventually make the playoffs. You want to turn the season around a few series before the All Star break. One, two, three, four, five series to go. To the All Star break. Start playing some good baseball. Get some good feeling. Get a little reset. Jose Quintana is hopefully due back soon. Like, get get some. Just try to get this ball rolling. Let's beat the Phillies. Yeah, we're we're past the point of play good baseball. Got to win some games now. Mets got to yeah, start yeah. winning some games so they want to have something going on. Absolutely, and let's let's do that this weekend. So, thank you guys let's so wrap, much for listening. Yeah, thank yeah. You let's wrap it up here. here. Just, uh, you know, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. If you want to follow Mark, you got him at Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at MetsUp, YouTube, Met's YouTube channel. Shout out John. Had a kid. Throw him, throw him some love on Twitter. He loves he yeah. John. He'll never admit it, but he loves the Twitter love you guys get. Loves just, it. Let, just, so let him know. Let him know. Tag him whenever you want. Let him know he's, he's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's a dad and he, you're happy for him. But... <laughs> You guys got us. We will catch you on Monday morning after the Philly series. Peace out, guys. Peace.